Hello, everybody. I'm so thankful you've joined us for this worship service, whether you're watching on Facebook or uh, YouTube channel. Thank you so much. We're going to be talking to families, and most weeks I've been teaching from the New Testament, well, but I want to break with that today because, you know, with COVID-19, families are together more than normal, and I just thought it would be appropriate to do a, a sermon to encourage and, and, and challenge and help parents. I, I love the story about a, a group of expecting fathers years ago before fathers could go into the delivery room, you know, with the mothers. They were all out in the waiting room, and at one point a nurse came out and said to one of the dads, congratulations, you, you, you're now the father of twins. And he was all excited. He said, but, you know, what a coincidence. I, I actually play for the Minnesota Twins. A few moments later, another nurse came out and said to another one of the fathers, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. And he was all excited, but said, wow, that's, a, that's amazing because I work for 3M. And about that time, another man fell into the floor. The others in the room asked him if he was okay, and he said, no. He said, I work for 7-Up. The, tr you know, the truth is that uh, having children is a dream of young couples when they get married. And children are a gift from God. They are they are such a, a blessing. But sometimes when we're young and starting out, we don't understand how, how important our role is as parents in discipling our children to follow Jesus Christ and to know how to follow Jesus Christ. The truth is that, that children are in the home more than anywhere else. Churches on average, if you, if you think of all the hours in a day, the days in a week, the, the months of the year, just, just throughout the time that a child is born until they leave home, a child is only typically at, on average at church about 1% of the time that they are growing up. And even in, in, in the schools, as much as they go to school, they're only in the schools about 16% of the time. They are with their families more than any other location. And now with COVID-19 in this country, children are home more than they were before. So it's an even higher percentage of their time with families and moms and, and dads. God has given you the responsibility to, to not only raise your children, but to disciple them, to mentor them as followers of Jesus Christ. Many of you are familiar with the passage in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6, that says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We have the responsibility of training up our children. How do we do that? Well, one is we instruct them. The word train there, it's interesting. It's a, it's a Hebrew word that literally, the root word means to, to narrow, to, to choke. And see, see, life is filled with all kinds of choices. Life is filled with many values and belief systems and ways that people can go about living. And what the Bible says is as a parent, we, we need to choke some of that out. We need to narrow that down. We need to train our children and help them know what is morally right, what is morally wrong, what is pleasing to God, and what is not pleasing to God. We have to narrow their choices for them. And also we have to, we have to show them by our own example. Train them by our own example how to live for Jesus, how to talk for Jesus, love Jesus, and serve Jesus Christ. So we, we are to train our children, but we also train them not, not, not only by instructing them, but by correcting them. In the book of Proverbs chapter 29, if you have your Bible, if you don't, go get your Bible really really quickly. You can hit the pause button, get your Bible, and, and, and look at what, what he says in chapter 29 of Proverbs in verse 17. He says, correct your son, and he will give you comfort. And, and he will also delight your soul. Correct your son. That's part of our responsibility as parents. How do, how do we correct them? Well, in that same chapter in Proverbs 29, in verse 15, he says, The rod and reproof 
give wisdom, but a child who is who, who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. And and so we, we correct them with with discipline, with our words, with our speech, and and so really it's it's reproof is the idea of of correcting them with speech. It's the things we teach them. It's the things we say to them. And, and literally. Reproof means you you explain to them. You give them a reasoned argument. It's like a lawyer in court, if you will, making his case. Parents, you're not training your children when you say, and we've all said it. I said it because moments of frustration and in life is hectic. Why do it? Because I said so. Children need to understand the why of the training and instruction we give them. And reproof means you give them a reasoned argument. You help them as they grow to understand why this is right, why this is wrong, why this is how we do it, and why this is not the way we do it. That's part of reproof. And then our discipline. That's what the rod is. It's discipline. Kids cannot be left to themselves. And I'm not talking about physical abuse. I'm not talking about verbal abuse. There's a a man named Craig Mercy who was Massey rather who was in a in a restaurant and seated at a nearby table was a, a family and a little boy was there about seven years old and the little boy spilled his milk and when he did the father was angry and said to the little boy what good are you and that little boy apparently you know you, you can just assume he suffered physical abuse uh, verbal abuse in the past that little boy hung his head and he and, and and when his father said what good are you that little boy hung his head and he said nothing well, sometime later, Massey's little boy did something wrong, and he found himself shouting at his little boy, What good are you? What good are you anyway? And the little boy said nothing. Now, all of a sudden, Massey remembered that incident in the restaurant, and he felt ashamed, and he felt bad. And so a few, few days later, his son messed up again. And uh, this, this time, Massey asked him the same question. He said, What good are you? But this time, before his little boy could answer, he went over and he picked him up and he hugged him and he started to kiss him. And he said, I'll tell you what good you are. You are good for loving. You are good for loving. And then that became a game between him and his son in the years to come. And, and he would say to his little boy, What good are you? And his little boy would say, I'm good for loving. And they would hug. And he was building up his son. He was correcting him. He was training him. He was teaching them. But he learned not to do it in an abusive manner. And you and I as Christian parents need to train our children, teach them, correct them, explain things to them, especially starting in the formative years. If we wait till they're a little older, you could say in many, many, many ways we've waited until it's too late. We've got to do it when they're really, really young. Proverbs 19. Look with me in your Bible again in Proverbs chapter 19 at verse 18. Proverbs 19 verse 18. 18 the bible says this discipline your son while there is hope while there is hope while he's young because you can wait until it is too late those formative years we uh we have some video old vhs tape okay of our son stephen his first first birthday party years ago in Sumter, South Carolina, 19, August 1987, and it was hot. I still remember that Saturday in August. It was so hot, and we were sweating. I was there. Now, Stephen, he was one. He doesn't remember it. He's seen the video. The only thing he knows about his first birthday party is what we tell him and what he's seen on that video, but we were there. You were there in the early days of your child. It's in those formative years, those early days, that we are to begin teaching them and loving them and training them and disciplining them and setting boundaries for them. That is our responsibility as parents. We can't put off. So we are to train our children. But listen, not train them for just anything. We are to train our children, but we are to also train them in the way they should go. That verse in Proverbs 22 that we read a moment ago, verse 6, said, Train up a child in the way that he should 
go in the way that he should go and we need to do it for our own sake back in proverbs chapter 29 again if you've got your bible look with me in chapter 29 at verse 15 once again the rod and reproof give wisdom but a child who is who gets his own way brings shame to his mother if you want your life to be better as as your kids grow up and then when they become teenagers when they become young adults Learn to train your children the way they should go. Discipline them the right way. Show them by example. Don't leave them on their own for your own sake, but also for their sake. Because if you wait till it's too late, they will end up making more decisions that bring pain to themselves. And when they bring pain to themselves, they also bring pain to you. We have to remember that our children naturally within themselves, as sweet as they are when they are born, they already have a sinful nature in proverbs 22 a very important verse i want you to look at proverbs chapter 22 verse 15 verse 15 he says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child listen every little baby every child as sweet and beautiful and tender and smiling and wonderful as they are they're your angels they also have a little bit of a devil in them and you've got to train that out of them came across something once that i thought was pretty pretty funny but also very very accurate it's, it's, it was called the property laws of a toddler now all of you moms of young kids will recognize this is true here's the property laws of a toddler and it's evidence of original sin it's evidence that and proof that that every child is born with a little bit of a devil in them here's the property laws of a toddler number one if i like it it's mine number two if it's in my hand it's mine number three if i can take it from you it's mine number four if i had it a little while ago it's mine number five if i'm doing or building something all the pieces are mine number six if it looks just like mine it's mine number seven if i saw it first it's mine number eight if you are playing with something and you put it down it automatically becomes mine and then number nine if it's broken it's yours the the, the property laws of toddlers because, you know we're, we're born just naturally with a tendency to make wrong decisions to be selfish to, to go the wrong way and so as christian parents you and i have the responsibility under god to train our children with our words and and not just tell them what to do but why and show them by our lives how to, to discipline them, but, but not in an abusive way, but in a loving way, to, to set boundaries for them because they need it. And, and, and in so doing, help them learn to not allow that sin nature that they are born with to become dominant in their lives so that they grow up being selfish, they grow up, they, they, they grow up going the wrong way, they grow up in, in, in rebellion. We are to train our children because the truth is there's two ways to go in life there's the natural way and the wrong way and then there is the way that we should go and as parents we have to be intentional about teaching our children how to go the right way and during this this season of COVID-19 parents you are with your children more than ever in all likelihood you have more opportunities to have conversations you have more opportunities to have shared experience, to, to, let, to let them see you serve Jesus, to let them see you reading the Word of God, to, to have conversations about things in Scripture and to, to answer their questions. You have more opportunity now, most of you, than you've had in the past to disciple your children, and you must 
be intentional about it and you must set those boundaries in place the problem is that sometimes some parents want to be a friend to their child more than a parent sometimes we don't want to say no to our children because we want them to like us we want their approval uh, sometimes we're just weak i remember back in the 1990s when uh, the first president bush was in office egyptian president hosni mubarak was visiting the white house and uh, the secretary of state george baker came to president bush and said now when mubarak is here the president of egypt he's going to ask for money and you have to tell him no and President Bush said, said, you need to tell him that he can't have any money. Turning down money is your job. I want to do the fun stuff. I want to do the good stuff. And sometimes we as parents are like that. We just don't want to be the bad guy. We don't want to say no. And the problem is when you never say no, when you're so desirous of your child liking you and being your friend, you, you don't help them. You end up hurting them. Some years ago, the city of Houston developed a, a campaign, an ad campaign to deter juvenile crime. And the Houston Police Department in that campaign came up with, and these are sarcastic, but they came up with 12 rules for raising a juvenile delinquent. So think about this. 12, here's what the police department there said. 12 rules for, for raising a juvenile delinquent. Here's rule number one. Begin with infancy to give the child everything he wants. And this way, he will grow up to believe the world owes him a living. Number two, when, when he picks up bad words, laugh at him. This will make him think that it's cute. Number three, here's how you raise a juvenile delinquent. Never give him any spiritual training. Wait until he is 21 and then let him decide for himself. Number four, avoid use of the word wrong it may develop a guilt complex. This will condition him to believe later when he's arrested for stealing the car that society is against him and he's being persecuted. And number five, you can hear the sarcasm in all this, can't you? Number five, pick up everything he leaves lying around. Do everything for him so that he will be experienced in throwing all responsibility on others. Number six, let him read any printed matter that he can get his hands on. Be careful that the silverware and drinking glasses are sterilized, but let his mind feast on garbage. Wow. Number seven, argue frequently in the presence of your children. In this way, they won't be shocked when the home is broken up later. Number eight, give a child all the spending money he wants. Never let him earn his own. Number nine, satisfies every craving for food, drink, and comfort. See that every, every desire is gratified. Number 10, take his part against neighbors and teachers and policemen they're all prejudiced against your child anyway. And number 11, when he gets into real trouble, apologize for yourself by saying, I never could do anything with him. And number 12, prepare for a life of grief. You will likely have it. See, parents, we're, we're not giving children to be their best friends. We're not giving children to do things in such a way that the, the kids always like our decisions. We are their parents. We are to train them. We are to teach them. We are to explain why things are this way, to guide them in what is right and what is wrong, in spiritual development, to disciple them as followers of Christ. We are there to set boundaries, to narrow the scope of their options. We are there to point them in the right direction. We are there to mentor them, to love them, to protect them, to teach them, and to train them. And the hope of every Christian parent is that you will do that. And as you do it, your children will grow up to follow the Lord and to, and to stay true to what you have 
taught them. In fact, there was a study, a study of young men with high self-esteem, and they had a, another list, a group of men who were who, who had low self-esteem. And, and they, they noticed some of the differences in the families in which these kids grew up. And what they discovered was that those who those young young men who had strong and high self-esteem came from families where they were loved and appreciated, and they knew it. They knew there was no question. They they felt tremendous love and appreciation in the home. Number two, they found that those kids who became young men with high self-esteem also had parents who were more strict with discipline. Not that they were abusive but that there were boundaries and they were clear and they were enforced and they were explained and the why was also explained. Number three, those with more high self-esteem came from homes that had a sense of democracy and openness. Yes, there were boundaries and those boundaries were enforced, but there, were, there, was, there was room within that for kids to have different personalities and different dreams and different passions. There was an openness to talk and have conversations. You know what I think? That sounds just like what the Bible's been saying all this time, doesn't it? Set boundaries. Explain why the boundaries. Enforce the boundaries. Teach your kids right from wrong. Love them. Discipline them. Love them. Affirm them. Correct them with your words. Set an example. And, and, and moms and dads, Christian parents, you cannot just turn your children over to the church and expect the church to do it all for you. You have to do it because they are with you more than anywhere else and you have the responsibility of mentoring your children of discipling your children just as some of you put great effort in teaching your children how to play sports or how to how to do gymnastics or how to study math or all these other things that we invest energy into our kids we are to do that ourselves when it comes to their spiritual development to their moral development to their character to their relationship with jesus christ and here's the thing it's hard to do that if you're not following jesus it's hard it's hard to teach them how to have a relationship with jesus if all you have is really a relationship with the church and so maybe a starting point for some parents is to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. I am so thankful for all that, that Holly Matthews and our children's staff do and all the resources that are provided to our families. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of those. And if you're not part of our church and you'd like to take advantage of those materials so you can teach your children and disciple your kids, email our children's ministry director, Holly M. at fbcrockhill.org and and she can communicate with you. And if you'd like to talk with a pastor about your relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to text the word Jesus to the number on the screen so one of our pastors can reach out to you and discuss your relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I, what I want to do this morning in this simple message is encourage you as a parent during this special season we have. And, and I, maybe it's not the right way to say it because this, this COVID-19, this pandemic and all the changes the first seven months of this year's this year have been difficult. I get that, but 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 you know God can bring good out of bad. This can be a season when you, as a parent, say, you know what? I am going to take the responsibility for discipling my children. I'm not delegating that to anybody else. I am going to do that. And if you do that, you will be glad you did. 